This is the Cliff Yates Show. Personal growth, motivation, inspiration, and philosophies for a great life. Hi, everybody. This is Cliff Yates. This is the Cliff Yates Show. You're in the right place. I know you're a high achiever. You want to do more, become more, and you're always thinking, how can we become a better human and have a positive impact on others? And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're talking about psycho-cybernetics from the book of the same name and happiness. And to recap uh, what I talked about in part one of Psycho-Cybernetics, this book was written in the 60s by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, a plastic surgeon who found that when he operated on people, he started noticing that some people, after he fixed their outward scars, they became immediately happy. Their mood and their whole self-image changed immediately. And other people, even though he had also fixed their outward scars, they stayed the same. They had the same self-image. They were still depressed. They still had a bad image of how they looked. Even though outwardly they were fixed, they had internal scars. They had psychological scars that needed to be repaired. And so he became interested in psychology, and he started studying psychology and the self-image, and through his focus and studies, he wrote this book, Psycho-Cybernetics. This chapter really resonated with me. Uh, you can acquire the habit of happiness, and I think I've, I've accomplished habituating my thoughts in a positive way, and we can all do that if we, if we do it on purpose, if we purposely focus, you know, on things that are positive. It's not that we are going to deny reality. It's that we're going to try to focus our minds and try to, you know, have control of our states. Now, happiness cannot be something that is static, that we're in a constant state of happiness. It just wouldn't make sense. And it wouldn't. it's impossible for that to happen. But if predominantly, most of the time, we can be in a happy state of mind or we can keep ourselves happy most of the time. This leads to a fulfilling life. And Dr. Maxwell Maltz kind of studies people who have studied happiness and came up with these things. And I'm going to recap psychocybernetics is psychology, how we think, process information. And he married that together with cybernetics, which was a mechanical, um, the mechanics of a of an autopilot type of mechanism, a success mechanism mechanically, even though we're not machines, we have an automatic success mechanism within us. And we can either switch that to a, a failure mechanism or a positive automatic success mechanism. This is what Dr. Maxwell Maltz discovered in his studies. And so uh, a cybernetic system would be like a torpedo, which is fired to a specific target, just like we would pick a specific goal and start heading in that direction. And like a torpedo, a torpedo is constantly having to make adjustments to the target. It's constantly drifting off course and then making corrections back 
as it moves toward its final destination, which is what we have to do when we have goals. And our and we've been we've been born with this innately in us that we are goal striving uh, beings, and we need and feel fulfilled when we have set goals and we're making progress. We we feel most fulfilled when we're making progress towards a worthwhile goal. And when we set a goal and we start off towards that goal, we're going to be constantly drifting off course and we just need to make those corrections so that we ultimately end up at the destination that we want to get to. And listen, we're going to talk about happiness in in that. And the, the first paragraph written by Dr. Maltz is... I discussed the subject of happiness, not from a philosophical, but from a medical standpoint. And so we're going to talk about happiness in our health and the, and the effects of those healthful thoughts, those positive thoughts, happy thoughts, what that does to the body. So he doesn't discuss this in this chapter from a philosophical standpoint, but from a medical standpoint. Dr. John Schindler defines happiness as a state of mind in which our thinking is pleasant, a good share of the time. From a medical standpoint and also from an ethical standpoint, I do not believe that simple definition can be improved upon. And he goes on to the next paragraph, happiness is good medicine. Happiness is native to the human mind and its physical machine. We think better. They've done these studies where people's performance, how they think, how they see, hear, when they taste things, they're all improved when we're in a happy state of mind. When we're in a positive state of mind, we can actually perform better. Even our physical sense organs work better. Russian psychologist K. Kechevev tested people when they were thinking pleasant and when they were thinking unpleasant thoughts. He found that when thinking pleasant thoughts, they could see better, taste, smell, and hear better, and detect finer differences in touch. So there's several doctors that have done these studies. Dr. William Bates proved that eyesight improves immediately when the individual is thinking pleasant thoughts or visualizing pleasant scenes. Vision educator Margaret Corbett found that memory is greatly improved and that the mind is relaxed when the subject is thinking pleasant thoughts. Psychosomatic medicine has proved that our stomach, liver, heart, and all our internal organs function better when we are happy. And I, I think we all consciously know that because we, we can think of examples where people have actually, you know, they, the term worried sick, right? Because we create this inner anxiety because we're worried. It's our negative thoughts that can create sickness and our stomach gets upset. So just because of that alone, we should try to focus on happy thoughts and, just for a, just for the for just because of the health benefits the power of the mind to create health or sickness we have total control over that and it's funny i can't uh, cite the exact study but there have been several studies 
that have shown uh, specifically, one was medical students. They were so focused on the diseases they were studying, they started manifesting in their own bodies the symptoms of those diseases. The people were breaking out in hives. They, they had rashes. And the, whatever disease they were studying, they started to manifest physically on their bodies, uh, internally and, and on, the, on their skin, symptoms of these diseases they were studying in medical school. And that's the power of the mind. It goes back to the days of... Uh, of witch doctors and voodoo, right? Because people would, people would put a spell on somebody and they would die. It was their, actually their own thoughts that would cause them to die. Now, we can harness this knowledge and uh, for us to live better, healthier, increase our longevity just by focusing our thoughts. And I think this is pretty fascinating. You know, and some of this is, is biblical. It goes back to the Bible. And Dr. Mulls even references some biblical passages here in his book. Thousands of years ago, wise old King Solomon said in his Proverbs, Proverbs from the Bible, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth up the bones. It is significant too that both Judaism and Christianity prescribe joy, rejoicing, thankfulness, cheerfulness as a means toward righteousness, and the good life. There's a couple biblical passages where it says whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is wonderful, whatever is right, think of these things. So the Bible is actually saying direct your thoughts on these good things. Whatever is beautiful, good, just, true, think of these things. And so, yeah, there's, there's another passage in the Bible, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice I think it was Paul that was writing in, uh, maybe it was, uh, it might have been Philippians, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And he said, I'll repeat it. Rejoice in the Lord always. I don't know how many times I've read in the Bible, rejoice, rejoice. And so we can see the correlation between health, longevity, happiness, and thinking positive thoughts. So Harvard psychologists studied the correlation between happiness and criminality and concluded that the old Dutch proverb, happy people are never wicked, was scientifically true. They found that a majority of criminals came from unhappy homes, had a history of unhappy human relationships. A 10-year study of frustration at Yale University brought out that much of what we call immorality and hostility to others is brought about by our own unhappiness. Dr. Schindler has said that unhappiness is the sole cause of all psychosomatic ills and that happiness is the only cure. The very word disease means the state of unhappiness. Disease. A recent survey showed that by and large, optimistic, cheerful business people who looked on the bright side of things were more successful than pessimistic business people. So we can, you know, and of course the old cliche is, right, uh, as us, you know, comedians, we always talked about, hey, happiness is the best medicine. You know, you're not feeling good. You need to go to a comedy club and see a comedian. 
Laughter is the best medicine became a cliche because of how true that is. And we got to get out of this mindset of thinking that we're going to get, do, accomplish, and then be happy. No, we're going to be happy, and then we're going to do, be, become. Yes, we're going to be happy first. We're going to choose happiness, and because we're happy, we're going to accomplish more, get more, become more. And so let's choose to be happy and habituate that state of mind as much as we possibly can. And it can't be a static position where we're just all happy all the time. We're human. We're full of emotions. Things happen. I have downtime. I have sad times. I have disappointment. I have regret. Uh, I can get very melancholy. But I don't stay there. Most of the time, I'm in a happy state of mind. Somebody just says, uh, saying, it's like bad thoughts can uh, are like a pigeon landing on your head. You know, you can't stop them from landing on your head, but you can prevent them from making a nest, right? Bad thoughts may come into your mind. We can't control that, but we can control how long they stay there. Get rid of them, cancel them, replace them, affirm positive thoughts. Look what it can do to your health. It can affect your emotions. There was a man, I wish I knew, I can't remember the name of the book, uh, by Norman Cousins. He had cancer, and he had them bring to his hospital room all these comedic movies, and he would laugh and laugh and laugh, and he became cancer-free. So, cause and effect, was it the laughter? He says it was. There's, there's certainly scientific study that would prove that that is the case. In the next paragraph, uh, Malls talks, he, he says, It appears that in our popular thinking about happiness, we have managed to get the cart before the horse. Like I was saying, we get it backwards. Be good, we say, and you will be happy. I would be happy, we say to ourselves, if I could be successful and healthy. Be kind and loving to other people, and you will be happy. It might be nearer the truth if we said, be happy, and you will be good, right? Be happy, and you'll be more successful, healthier, feel, and act more charitable towards others. Happiness is not something that's earned or deserved. It's a choice that we make and a state of mind that we can habituate and control if we do it on purpose. And we have to do it on purpose because we have to override our default, our default system that is meant to keep us alive, to keep us aware of danger. We're meant to default to the negative. We're meant to default to, hey, what is that? Something's bad about to happen. I got to watch out for it. There's a lion around the corner. Where's the dinosaur? Where is he? They're trying. They're going to eat me if I come out of this cave. And so that was habituated in us, you know, back in the prehistoric times where, uh, where we had to survive dinosaurs and all sorts of crazy things. But now we don't have, we don't have those fear. We shouldn't fear those things anymore because they're not around. So to override those defaulting, our default thinking goes to that for survival. Now we can override that to our present reality. And I think that's important that we focus and do that. The pursuit of happiness is not selfish. 
Many sincere people are deterred from seeking happiness because they feel that it would be selfish or wrong. Unselfishness does not make for happiness. For it not only gets our minds directed outward, away from ourselves and our introspection, our faults, sins, troubles, unpleasant thoughts, or pride in our goodness, but it also enables us to express ourselves creatively and to fulfill ourselves in helping others. One of the most pleasant thoughts to any human being is the thought that he is needed, that he or she is important enough and competent enough to help and add to the happiness of some other human being. That's why I always say, and I have to keep going back, that that's why I always go back. I have to go back to and repeat as often as I can that personal growth, self-improvement, happiness, Habituating good habits is the best gift that we can give to those around us. And for a spouse, husband, father, mother, daughter, sister, if we get better, if we communicate better, if we are happy, if our state of mind of happiness is contagious and infectious to others, what will that do to our relationships to the people around us? What will that do in how we impact others? in a positive way, what will that do to the people that we are around or who we attract to be around us? It's going to make amazing differences in our relationships, which is going to directly correlate to our our life in general. So I think uh, Boy Maxwell Maltz has really focused on uh, the goodness of trying to habituate happiness as, as our state, as our predominant state, because that's going to make us better in all other areas. We're going to accomplish more. We're going to see better, hear better, communicate better, perform better if we're predominantly in that state of mind. But the secret now is to control that state of mind as best we can. And like I've always said, we can't always stay there, but we can try to get back there as quickly as possible. I like this next paragraph. Happiness does not lie in the future, but in the present. Right? It's not something that's going to happen tomorrow. We're going we're gonna to make it happen right now. When would now be a good time to be happy? We are never living, but only hoping to live. I have found that one of the commonest causes of unhappiness among my patients is that they are attempting to live their lives on the deferred payment plan. Right? They're going to be happy tomorrow. They're going to be happy when this happens. They're going to be happy when they accomplish this. They're going to be happy when they may make this amount of money. They do not live or enjoy life now, but wait for some future event or occurrence. They will be happy when they get married, when they get a better job, when they get the house paid for, when they get the children through college, when they have completed some task or won some victory. And, I, and I've been learning, and I learn every day to try to not live in that mindset. I am happy today. And I try to, you know, we have to really, we have to really plan for the future. We have to set goals for the future. We have to think of things to come. And we do learn from past experiences. We get better because of past experiences. We improve, but we really need to be present the best we can. Be present in the moment. I try to do that when I'm when I'm somewhere, okay, I'm going to be here right now.
I'm going to, later tonight, I'm going to be down at the church uh, for Good Friday, and I'm going to be serving on the safety team. So, you know, when I'm there, I'm going to be there. My thoughts are not going to be of tomorrow, uh, the rest of the week, or what I'm doing. So when I'm serving tonight, I am going to be present there with the people that I'm serving with. I'm going to be present with them, and I'm going to really focus on that. I'm not going to let my mind drift off to thoughts of tomorrow, yesterday. going to be present as best I can, and we can do a better job of that if we do it on purpose. Happiness is a mental habit. We can habituate this mental habit. A little, if you do it 10 minutes today, if you do 10 minutes today, I was really fulfilled and happy. Hey, tomorrow you can do 20. Hey, pretty soon you're going to have an 8, 10-hour day of just pure happiness. Uh, you can do it. It's, it can be habituated. It's a mental attitude. If it is not learned and practiced in the present, it is never experienced. We have to learn it, and we have to practice it right now in the present. It cannot be made contingent upon solving some external problem. When one problem is solved, another appears to take its place. Life is a series of problems. If you are to be happy at all, you must be happy, period. And he did put an exclamation point right there. If you are to be happy at all, you must be happy, period. Not happy because of. Let's do that today. Let's start today that we're going to be happy. Okay, and the next paragraph is, happiness is a mental habit that can be cultivated and developed. And here's a quote by Abraham Lincoln. Most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. Think about that. Abraham Lincoln said, most people are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. We have the power to decide I'm pretty happy. If you just start asking powerful questions, which we always talk about, if you start just asking, hey, what am I most grateful for in my life? Right? We're going we're gonna to put in the proper questions because, because we know that our subconscious mind, our mind in general, will answer questions that we ask of it. So all we have to do is change the questions. What am I most grateful? You know what I'm grateful for? Oh, my family, friends, health, wealth. You can think of something, my puppy, my kitty, Ask those empowering happiness questions, and you're going to get those answers, which will help you habituate that state of mind. No one other than a saint can be 100% happy all the time. So now we, we talked about that already, that it can't be a static state of mind. It's not going to be 100%. And as George Bernard Shaw equipped we would probably be miserable if we were. See, we were probably, you know, we, we wouldn't want it that way. We can't have peaks without valleys. We wouldn't want to be, ice cream tastes so good, but we wouldn't want to be eating it eight hours a day. It would be too much and we would not enjoy it. But we can, by taking thought and making a simple decision, be happy, and think pleasant thoughts a large share of the time. Stop letting things push you around. The best cure I have found for this sort of thinking is to use unhappiness's own weapon, self-esteem. Have you ever been to a TV show and seen the master of ceremonies manipulate the audience, I asked a patient. 
He brings out a sign that says applause and everyone applauds. He brings out another sign that says laughter and everyone laughs. They act like sheep as if they were slaves and meekly react as they are told to react. You are acting the same way. You are letting outward events and other people dictate to you how you shall feel and how you react. You are acting as an obedient slave and obeying promptly when some event or circumstance signals to you, be angry, get upset, or now is the time to feel unhappy. Learning the happiness habit, you become a master instead of a slave. Or as Robert Louis Stevenson said, the habit of being happy enables one to be freed or largely freed from the domination of outward conditions. You know, in studying uh, the philosophy of Stoicism, this is something that uh, Marcus Aurelius wrote in his meditations. One of the things that he said every morning to himself was, uh, it, it was along this line. I'm going to go purely from memory. I don't have it in front of me. Today I'm going to encounter some miserable people who are going to be nasty, uh, unfriendly, and I am not going to do, I, they are not going to make me complicit in their negativity. And I'm going to view this as that they are acting out of ignorance and I won't be complicit in that ignorance. And so as he went about his day then, when he came in contact with these negative, grumpy, miserable, nasty people, he knew that he wouldn't become uh, enslaved by those emotions and he would view them not as bad people, but with the belief that they were acting out of ignorance. And since Marcus said, I don't have that ignorance, I don't have to be complicit in those emotions that they're trying to share with me, right? If someone gives you a gift or tries to and you don't accept it, they own the gift. When someone tries to bring you that gift of negativity, uh, don't accept it. Let them keep it because it's theirs. It doesn't have to be yours. And I think today we're going to end there on our psycho-cybernetics happiness lesson. And uh, I know I got a lot out of this. This is my fourth time reading this book. And every time I read it, I get something new out of it. And today, and I, I got a lot that I'm going to work on habituating. And one of them is I'm going to be, as best I can, in a happy state of mind. Because I know that these thoughts that we have, positive or negative, they affect us internally. So, I love you. Stay happy. You can habituate that state of mind to most of the time. All right. If you haven't already, subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. And please like, share, make a comment. Because that tells the algorithms that people are engaging with this stuff. And then their computer shares it with more people. And if you're listening on a podcast platform, please subscribe to the show so that you can be notified when the new episodes come out because we are going to be getting better every day in every way. Thank you, everybody. Bye.